0: Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Cause I'm TNT, I'm
2: dynamite.
3: whole lot of headbanging going on in the AM 1170 KCBQ studios. Hey, thanks everybody out there watching via Facebook live and listening to me. And thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks. DJ Carrot Sticks. (laughs) You know, I think his intro to himself, I think it gets like longer each week. What are you doing over there? Before we know it, it's going to be half of the show going to be DJ Carrot Sticks with his explosions. The man with all, pushing all the buns back here has the power. That's true. He's the man behind the curtain. Hey, we got a great show for you guys today. Let's get started. Hey, follow me on Twitter before we do. I got to make sure everybody knows where I'm at on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Facebook. Don't forget my fan page over there. I spend so much time with all all my buddies out there on my regular uh, profile page, my friend page, that I don't spend as much time on the other one as I should. Lots of other cool people over there over there, as well, speaking of cool people and the not so cool people in the world, I got to thinking this morning before I came in. I posted on Facebook last night speaking of Facebook. I said, "What does a GOP really stand for anymore I, it it's been the past six months has kind of proven to us they don't really seem to have any identity and it reminded me of this game show my parents used to talk about that was before my time and I never really saw it but it was called D.G. Carrot Six I'm not sure if you've even heard of it It was called uh, uh, What's My Line I actually wrote it down and I think what it was is like they would have three people sitting there each person pretending to be an attorney or whatever the occupation was and they would pose a series of questions to them and then the contestant would have to guess will the real you know attorney or whatever please stand up? And I got to thinking, it's kind of like if we put three or four Republicans, conservatives in a lineup and post policy questions to them, platform questions or, you know, government questions to them, we'd kind of have a hard time knowing what a Republican is and which any of those sitting there is part of the game, whether or not they're actual Republicans. I mean, to me... We know. most, And most of the congressional people that we've had in office are not newbies. I mean, the majority of the people that we have, like Mitch McConnell and others, have been sitting as, as GOP representatives for a lot of years, decades. lot of years, decades. What they're supposed to be about is limited government, lower taxes, and following the laws of the land, like, like sealing the border. They're also supposed to be about, in terms of following the laws of the land, they're supposed to be about accountability, and they've had a lot of excuses for why they haven't implemented that over the last six months. So then the, the final excuse was taken away from them. They have the White House in both uh, areas of Congress, both houses of Congress. We've talked about that. But here we are six months later. They've got nothing done. Most recently, the failure to honor their seven year promise of repealing Obamacare and replacing it. And now, what am I hearing? The, the beat, the, the drum beat that started with, I think, Gover- Governor Huckabee. Who I've never been a fan of as for, for president because I feel like he's, uh, socially liberal and, and has was as governor started the drumbeat of here's the solution for health care. Let's just keep all the taxes in Obamacare and then give it all to the states and let the governors control health care. Are you kidding me? Whoever is for that better not stand up when the question is asked. Are you a, a GOP? In the what's my line, because we're supposed to be about limited government. That's not limited government. Obamacare was nothing but a Marxist income redistribution scheme. And now the GOP, we got Lindsey Graham and others chiming in. Hey, what a great solution. Let's just redistribute the power from D.C. to people like Jerry Brown here in California. Clearly, anybody putting forth the end and even worse, they're trying to present that as the constitutional solution. Not only does the Constitution not provide for government control at the federal level over our health care and industries, it doesn't provide for it at the state level either. That is not a solution. Clearly, the GOP is not for limited government, or those words would never come out of anybody's mouth. Huckabee, shame on you for that and shame on any other Republican jumping on that bandwagon. I mentioned it to DJ Carrotsticks before going to the show. He's like, oh, well, thank you, people throwing us to the wolves. Somebody said to me on Twitter, well, governors are supposed to balance the budgets. Hey, you know what budgets are balanced to socialist governments, Venezuela's budget may be balanced. All Jerry Brown's going to do is pick the pockets even more and more and more from taxpayers to pay for it. And then we're all going to be living in slums. That's ridiculous. You're not a conservative if you're putting forth for that. I don't know what the GOP stands for, really. But what I do know right now, six months in, they don't stand for limited government. They don't stand for lower taxes. And they don't stand for sealing the border because they've done none of it. When we come back, we're going to talk to my buddy John Cardillo. We're going to pick it up on the other side. We're going to talk about this GOP issue. We're going to talk about what they haven't done. We're going to talk about the scandal that nobody's talking about, at least not what they should be, and that's Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Democrats and what they've done with these Pakistani IT guys. More Andrew Show coming right back up
4: a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home.
1: You're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170, The Answer.
4: Welcome back to the Andrea K
3: Show. So glad to share all this time with all y'all out there, especially those watching on Facebook Live. For some reason, the stream's not showing me who all is out there. So thank you so much for watching. I would give a little personal shout out to all y'all, but I can't see it. Please share that video for me. Hey, before the break, I was talking about the GOP. What do they stand for? You know, I'm shocked to find out that now I guess what they stand for is just, you know, more redistributing power to the states. Joining me, uh, not necessarily to talk about that. I didn't ask him to come on to talk about that, but you know what, he can, he can roll with anything it's of course John Cardillo hey John welcome back to the show how
2: are you, my friend? It's been too long.
3: I know. Well, I, I was I was kind of starting to get over a little bit what happened with the GOP with health care until I started hearing last night the drumbeat, thanks to Governor Huckabee, who I was never a fan of his necessarily as a governor, because I felt like he's socially liberal. He has started, and I don't know if you've heard this, so I apologize for putting you on the spot, but you're my hot snot radio talker, baby. You can handle any question. <laughs> um, you know, now the drumbeat is from, of course, Lindsey Graham and others that the solution is to keep all the taxes for Obamacare. Keep it as it is, and just give all the power to the states and let the governors control our health care industry.
2: Look, look, I don't have a problem with federalism. I don't have a problem with giving it back to the states because... Really, it's what we should have done in the first place, right? Allow competition, let the states decide if we can go across state lines. Uh, health care is, is not referenced in the Constitution. It's not in the Bill of Rights. Nancy Pelosi with her moronic statement on Twitter last week as uh, did Bernie Sanders that health care is a right. Uh, it's not in the Bill of Rights or in the Constitution. I have no problem with that, but I feel this is much more dubious, Andrea. I think there is a concerted effort from the rhinos, from the neocons, from the establishment in Congress, both houses, to thwart anything this president does. I think this president could come out in favor of motherhood and they would find a way to make motherhood a bad thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, and... um I wish we had more time to explore that, but the main reason why I brought you on is, um, speaking of the GOP, you know, really wanting, the majority of the GOP wanting to undermine Trump, they're also not doing uh, their jobs. They're, they're more focused on taking him down than actually fighting the Democrats. There's a scandal that has emerged involving the Democrats, involving the former head of the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I'm not hearing anybody in the GOP screaming about this. It's a complicated case. Seems like it's got tentacles reaching really far and really deep, and so I brought you on because... I haven't had a chance to really research it, but my listeners really want to know what the stink is with this whole scandal involving Debbie Wasserman Schultz, these IT Pakistani guys, what all is involved and how far does it reach?
2: Oh it reaches it reaches really far and this is one I'm intimately familiar with because I only live in my studio, just a few blocks outside of Debbie's district. Uh, I've interfaced with her over the years, uh, and and people I know very close to her tell me she's in hiding, she's on lockdown, she's a nervous wreck, she could very well go to jail. So so in short, you've got these guys, the Awan brothers. The main player now is a guy named Imran Awan, who was arrested a couple of Mondays ago at Dulles. You know, in Virginia outside of DC, trying to flee the country to Pakistan after wiring three hundred thousand dollars and frantically trying to liquidate real estate assets. He was also apprehended with I think twelve thousand four hundred dollars in cash. He's fleeing the US because he was wanted on bank fraud charges. He and his wife had, you know, played around fast and loose with mortgages. But even worse. Uh, It had been, we we had found out a while back that that, uh, he and his family were stealing laptops, and when they were caught, they crushed the hard drives. But why? They had access to some very sensitive emails, dozens of Democratic members of Congress. Most of them immediately fired the Alans or their contractors, except for Debbie Wasserman Schultz who kept him on the payroll until she claimed he was arrested at Dulles, but now we're finding out she was going to pay him while he was in Pakistan. Now, pure speculation on my part, but that tells the former law enforcement guy and me that she was playing, paying blackmail. What in the world does he have on Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and what did he have on the other members of Congress? And last point I'll make is it is highly likely, highly likely that he was under the thumb of the Pakistani ISI, their version of the CIA. Pretty bad guys. He was under their thumb because he had family in Pakistan. So it's very conceivable that a foreign intelligence service, one that helped hide Osama bin Laden, had access to congressional
3: emails. Okay, so... um If this guy was – he was fired by other Democrats back in, like, February or March. Why was he allowed to continue to work for anybody in the government who had – and particularly who had access to classified information? And the word supposedly is that this dude even had her password to her iPad.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually sent media inquiries last week to Nancy Pelosi, the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Chuck Schumer, uh, Warren – About half a dozen to ten prominent Democrats asking him that exact question. A, why did he still have access? B, why did he ever have access? And C, why were the Awan brothers, foreign nationals, hired over U.S. veterans with top-secret security clearances who need jobs? I have yet to receive a response from any of the Democrats I inquired with
3: well, why hasn't the GOP called for a special prosecutor? I mean, we finally have some GOP, uh, I think four or five of them came before the cameras, four or five out of how many Republican representatives would come forth and go, you know what, I think we need a special counsel, prosecutor to investigate Hillary, the Clinton Foundation, and Loretta Lynch. I'm like, okay, finally, great. It should have been the entire Republican Party. That should have happened a long time ago. Um, but no, they're, none of them are even talking about this. They're not demanding a special what, prosecutor. Right, but that bothers me, too. Why do we need a special prosecutor? Do we
2: no longer have a Department of Justice? Look, if Jeff Sessions won't do the job, find an AG who will. But I don't like this new trend towards special prosecutors. This is precisely precisely the mission of our Department of Justice and the FBI, their chief investigative arm, the premier law enforcement agency in the U.S. By by assigning special prosecutors, we're we're saying out of the gate that our DOJ and FBI are completely impotent when it comes to investigating Democrats, right? So I don't like that. Why don't we have an AG? This is, Andrea, this is possibly. Forget the Russia-Trump collusion nonsense. Nothing there. This is quite possibly the worst political scandal in recent history you have a foreign national with access to the emails of senior democrats in congress who when caught destroyed the evidence debbie rosserman chose through a fit remember to verdosa the uh, chief of the capitol police when her laptop was seized she got very aggressive with him on television on c-span yeah she threatened him Somebody- Yes, and that's somebody cornered and guilty. Why is there not an FBI and DOJ, a thorough, deep investigation, both on the criminal, public corruption, and counterintelligence fronts? Into this, but you're right. Paul Ryan and the rest of the neocon wimps get up there and say, "Oh my God, we don't want to offend our Democrat masters." Mm-hmm. Maybe we need a special counsel. I am so sick of the gutless, spineless GOP. It makes me sick.
3: Yeah, and you know what? I would, I'm with Trump and his. A lot of people are criticizing, still criticizing Trump for criticizing Sessions. And I say, first of all, he had to go publicly criticizing Sessions because if he had done it behind the closed doors, the leak, the leaks, and you know, would have controlled that message instead of Trump himself. And number two, I think he went publicly against Sessions. Because the American people, when they chanted "lock her up," it was not meaningless. The American people wanted right. accountability. And the first thing Jeff Sessions does when he takes office is hands his lunch over to the bullies and recuses himself. Are you kidding? We wouldn't have a special pro- prosecutor right now, digging and digging and digging, going back through if, as far as he can until he can find some some uh, write off that Trump took back in 1982 from Home Depot without a receipt. We wouldn't have that. Right. We wouldn't have. Right. We wouldn't have Mueller, the dude who handed the. Same example to Russia on behalf of the Clinton Foundation and, and Hillary, it, you know, we wouldn't have this going on if it hadn't been for Jeff Sessions recusing himself. It's ridiculous. I think that dude needs to go. And I and, you know, I, and people, you know, people say, oh, well, what about loyalty? You know, it's supposed to be about results. OK, I'm, not, I'm interested in results. Right. Aren't you? Well, of course. And look, there is this there is this moronic narrative floating
2: around on the left. And, and even with the rhinos, that, all oh, the DOJ and the FBI are independent of the president. No, they're not. We don't have an elected AG. The AG is selected by and appointed by the president, reports to the president, as does the FBI and the director of the FBI. There go. They work for the executive branch, the president of the United States. There is nothing remotely improper, remotely improper, Police, uh, mayors do with the police commissioners every day about the president telling his A.G. Hey, wait a second, Jeff. You know, invite him to dinner at the residence and say, Hey, Jeff. What are you doing here? We've got, yeah. we've got the Democrats running rampant with crimes, and you're worried about asset forfeiture and weed. Come on, get on message, get on the team. Right. Let's go after the big stuff. So the president was 100% right calling out Sessions because Sessions clearly is not carrying out missions that are worthy of the office. No one cares about civil asset forfeiture and weed. People are against them. They don't want it. He should be focused on prosecuting the leakers yes. and the, the Democrats committing crimes and this severe breach in national security.
3: Well, yeah, and I think they need to and let's throw in the Clinton Foundation among that because we had a Secretary of State you you know who's been doing investigation Judicial Watch they just recently and I think it was July 7th nobody's even talking about it I think but me 400 pages that showed 400 emails that were by the way never handed over uh, through Hillary said you know we turned over everything except for the 33,000 that she destroyed which was a felony by the way Uh, you know the, the 400 emails that Judicial Watch just recently received from FOIA two years later proved that there was pay for play going on with secretary of state no investigation from the republican party right. no investigation into the clinton foundation for being the largest charity fraud ever perpetrated on the world no investigation on the, on the world. yeah and yeah, you and, and you're right in terms of special counsel we don't need another special prosecutor to investigate what we already know hillary clinton committed crimes just the destruction of 30,000 emails that were under subpoena alone should have had her in cuffs already so you know i think you're right about that um, getting back to this Debbie Wasserman Schultz, this Pakistan thing. Now, um, I, somebody forwarded an email to me. A Daily Caller, I guess, was reporting that, um, that Awan had access to emails that involved everything, including the 2016 Democratic primary, uh, 2012 attacks on Benghazi, and other stuff. I don't know how they know that. Have you heard that? Has that been corroborated?
2: Uh, I've heard it, but it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because if you look at the committee assignments of the members of Congress, that he was working for, it's completely plausible and highly likely that he did have access to those communications. In fact, it would be very surprising if he didn't, considering that their committee assignments were foreign relations, homeland security, intelligence, etc.
3: Well, you know, um, clearly there was some really damaging stuff to Debbie Wasserman Schultz and probably Hillary Clinton. There wouldn't have been any need to destroy these devices, right? Sure, of course. Of course. Now, look, you only destroy
2: evidence when you're guilty. When you're not guilty, you tell them, hey, okay, come on, take a look. Or your lawyer says, get a warrant. Okay, let's do it. Here you go. Or you do Um, it in judges' chambers. When you start smashing things with hammers, it's because you're trying to
3: hide stuff. All right, got to switch gears because I am talking to John Cardillo, by the way. He's not only an amazing radio host and political commentator, he's also former NYPD. And when I mentioned that you were going to be on the show, somebody said, hey, please ask John what the follow-up is with this Minnesota cop, supposedly he's Lawyered up, the one who shot the Aussie for no reason. There were no body cams on. There was no uh, uh, cop car, no police car cams on to document what happened. And the question that that has been posed to you is: if this guy is just refusing to speak, it, it, you know, people are feeling like it's just going to get brushed on the rug. And how are we ever going to get any truth?
2: well yeah that's very troubling really problematic now look it's his right as an american not to speak and i'm sure his lawyer advised him but if you're a police officer and you're reasonably in fear of your life you articulate that i had shootings as a police officer i could have lawyered up but i didn't i mean they were justifiable shootings and i was able to articulate very very easily why i pulled the trigger why i fired and and uh i, I have i i You know, read between the lines on these things, Andrew. I know how politics work, and I know how law enforcement work. When I fuse them together, I'm one of the few uh, people out there that that do this for a living. And it seems to me that the mayor of Minneapolis, very liberal mayor, shoved this guy down the department's throat because she wanted Somali Muslim officers on the job. And and part of me, and maybe I shouldn't feel this way, I'm usually pro-cop, so I'll make it flamed. Part of me feels that this was a very cultural situation. And I've spoken to people close to the Minneapolis Police Department off the record. This guy was not a stellar cop, mm. but he was a PR—he was a PR prop for the mayor. Because rookie cops, guy was on the job two years, had had uh, some complaints. Rookie cops never get as much press as this guy got. The mayor was gloating over the fact that she had a Somali Muslim officer, and it. You know, this doesn't let me just say it like this it doesn't surprise the sources I spoke to that something catastrophic happened with this guy
3: well well we may never get the truth because you know it kind of reminded when I first heard about it it reminded me of the situation out of Idaho where a five-year-old girl was gang raped by refugees yes. and the her medical records were even kept from her own family threats were made from I think a local uh, deputy assistant US attorney to tell people and family members and others uh, to keep quiet they were threatened with prosecution, even though speech is, you know, as much as the left would like to think that there's uh, speech is criminalized, there's no code, criminal code for speech. Uh, they were still threatened, and it was brushed yeah. under the rug. And there, and to me, that's kind of what's happening here. I mean, we're we're basically. You know this is this is kind of like the sanctuary cities thing. You know, it's just an appeasement to a group of people. You know, we, you know we gotta stop. We gotta stop uh, this. You know, it's creeping Sharia in this country. We, it's like Nani Darwish said to me years ago. She said we were handing our country over on a platter of political correctness, and it is costing people's lives. That little five year old girl who was gang raped by refugees here, she's destroyed. Now and and then this other Aussie woman dead a month before her wedding. We gotta stop this. Yeah. Um, final oh,
2: question.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final question for you. See, it's kind of like lightning round with John Cardillo. I don't get him on enough. And when I do, I just kind of pepper him oh, with questions. Okay, so uh, people are just, I'm thinking that the, the kind of hysteria over what's gone down in the White House and the, you know, the, you know, what's that game we used to play as kids where, you know, you go around in a circle? Musical chairs. That it's like musical chairs, yeah. chaos at the White House staffing. Uh, talk people off the ledge or tell people why you're upset about it. What's your perspective?
2: listen, Scaramucci was being Scaramucci, right? I I, I thought it was kind of necessary at the time. Things needed to be blown up a little bit. Uh, I have a very close friend who works very closely with General Kelly at the Department of Homeland Security. General Kelly is a consummate professional, and he's doing what – a really competent military officer would do coming into a unit that was in a bit of chaos. He's taking the bull by the horns. Mm-hmm. He, so General Kelly made some money right after retirement. He doesn't need the prestige. He's well-respected by everybody. He's financially stable. He's really doing this for love of country and because the mm-hmm. president asked him to do it. Right. So he made some demands, and his demands were that I'm going to run this shop and people are going to report to me. The president agreed. And right now I see this as a really, really good thing, a big positive. I'm really encouraged by
3: him being there yeah so, yeah, so yeah, so the the chaos, the disarray in the White House doesn't have you troubled.
2: No, I think he's going to get it into shape. You know, I speak to people inside the West Wing, Andrea, and I'm, I'm close to people that were uh, senior people on the campaign. It's not as bad as the media is making it sound. There are a couple gotcha. of hiccups in the conch shop. That's okay. But day to day, they're getting a lot done. There's some very competent people in the jobs, and I think General Kelly is going to now just put the final old hone on the knife. And, uh, we're going to start to see things run very, very smoothly as
3: a result. Well, to me, it all goes back to expectations, you know, and I did immediately after Trump won, I, you know, I did a whole show about expectations. And to me, I, I don't think that the average American really expected an outsider who had no political experience to come in and take over the, the highest office of the land, a man who didn't have 300 people already of career politicians on, on his staff and on his team to come into the White House to, to, for the purpose of draining the swamp, for the purpose Purpose of shaking it up and have it be hundred percent smooth to take over a mess and try to clean it up without it being a little bit messy, right? So well, I disrupt, disruption is always messy. That's why I'm not worried about this. We wanted this. We
2: begged for this. We wanted the status quo and the elite broken up and the establishment broken up. When you break things up, there's dust. There's mess. There's rubble. So right. We're seeing the rubble. This is what we asked for. We've
3: got to have the stomach to see it through. That's right. And uh, I think General Kelly is there with a the little hand broom you know to, to to sweep it up and to keep and to keep things Straight orderly. This is a man how to, who knows how to keep a foot locker orderly. Hey John, how can people hear you and uh find out more about you?
2: Just go to JohnCardillo.com or follow me on Twitter at John
3: Cardillo. Thanks for being here, buddy. Always my friend. Uh, All righty. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to shift gears. We're going to actually get into a little a little news you can use when we come back. Y'all know I love real estate and a while back I talked about reverse mortgages and a few people messaged me and said, "Can you please get a reverse mortgage specialist to come on the show?" So I'm going to give you guys a little content that you can actually use in your life, uh, particularly since we have a housing crisis here in San Diego. We're going to spend a few minutes on that and then we're going to talk about some other things like extortion 17. Hey, this is the Andrea K show. Don't go anywhere.
5: You're listening to The Andrea
1: K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
3: Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. All right, now it's my, I, I spend so much of my show giving my opinions out. People like a little break from that at times. <laughs> You're supposed to say not me, DJ Carrot Sticks. You're supposed to say I love, love, love Andrea's opinions the fifth. Uh-huh. All right. Um, but I, I regularly do real estate segments because I love, love, love real estate as much as I love my own opinions. I love taking my baby Beau around my neighborhood, looking at all the remodels and what people are doing with their properties. I'm a Southern girl. I'm like Scarlett O'Hara. You know, we got to own a little piece of land. We got to have a house. Even if it doesn't look like Tara, you know, it's a, it is our own Tara, whether it's 500 square feet or 5,000. Okay. So I, you can take a girl out of the South, but you can't take the Scarlett O'Hara out of the girl. So a while back, I was doing a real estate segment on the show. I had my girl, Julie Mills Brennan, who's who's my favorite realtor here in San Diego. I had her on the show, and I was talking to her a little bit about reverse mortgage, because I didn't know, with it being such a housing crisis right now, and people unable to buy, if maybe there was some different strategies that you could use in terms of you know um, investments and stuff, but the actual reverse mortgage itself, Julie's not an expert on. So my listener said to me, can you please bring on somebody who's actually, that's all they do is reverse mortgage and explain what it is and that's why i've got michelle cole with me who i met when i was over at craig's sewing so i was filling in for craig on his american dream uh, tv show and i invited her on today hey michelle welcome to the andrea K show thank you so much andrea it's a pleasure to talk to you again well, yeah, you know, um, I, I had a few guests over there uh, when I was filling in for Craig, and I kind of whispered to you, hey, don't tell anybody, but you're my favorite guest, because no, I am, I yeah, and I could have spent the entire entire, you know, show talking to you about this. I love what reverse mortgage is, and I love what it, uh, the opportunity that it provides people to tap into their equity in their home, but there's a lot of myths around it, so first question, what is reverse mortgage, and does it vary by state, because I've got a lot of listeners right now who are outside California.
6: Oh, you bet. Well, I love to fill people in. Uh, uh, You know, basically, uh, a reverse mortgage is an amazing loan that helps people that are homeowners over the age of 62 use a portion of their equity to fund their lifestyle. And and there's no monthly principal and interest payments, and uh, they continue to pay tax insurance, uh, and it's just an amazing loan. It does vary a little by state, but mainly in the processing aspects of the loan itself from state to state, not
3: in the overall program itself. Now, what are the myths about reverse mortgage? In fact, I think when well, I was the- out doing, a, doing American Dream, you said that reverse mortgage isn't even exactly the right term for it. Well, they call it a
6: home equity conversion mortgage, which means that it's an FHA insured loan. Okay. So, but, you know, commonly we call it first mortgage. That makes it easy. Nobody remembers Hackham. Right. Now, who qualifies for this? Anybody that's over the age of 62. And is a homeowner, that property itself also must be FHA insured. It gives a single family home, a condominium that's FHA approved, or even two to four units, as long as one of them is owner occupied. And you can buy a home with a reverse mortgage, too.
3: Now, in terms of qualifications, I know that, that it supposedly a few years back, it became a little bit harder to qualify for this. Are there income restrictions, um, credit limitations? What's the application process to qualify for this? Okay.
6: The application process is basically you have to prove that you're 62. And uh, there is a financial assessment piece of it, which means that we have to know that you're able to pay your taxes and insurance, and you have some money left over, and that's that's basically basically it for a reverse mortgage person. Uh, and we also provide that you can have a account set up like many people do with their mortgage now to pay their taxes and insurance.
3: Now, when it comes to um, when somebody passes away, what happens? Because my understanding with a reverse mortgage is it goes to the government.
6: No, and that's where the biggest mess there's myths, as you mentioned. One, you turn the home over to the bank when you get a reverse mortgage, which is absolutely not true. You're the only one on the title. And the second one is that you, uh, when you pass, you don't get anything. Generally, especially in San Diego, there's normally sufficient equity left over. It's like any other mortgage. When you sell your home, you keep the equity, the cash proceeds. And that's the same with a reverse mortgage.
3: Well, that's exciting to hear because I think that that, that is what, you know, I had some neighbors of mine talking about it and they said, Oh, well, you know, it, it's going to go to the government and we pass away because they're kind of, they're, they're tight right now in their retirement funds. And I said, Well, have you thought about reverse mortgage? And they said, Well, but we want to leave our home to our kids. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to dispel that because I personally know a lot of people that are thinking I can't retire in San Diego when they've got property yeah. that maybe they can pull this money out and they can stay here and they don't have to uproot their life and leave San Diego and leave their kids and their grandkids, right? You bet. That's exactly
6: it. I'm a native San Diegan, too, and I want to be able to leave things with my kids. I want to stay here. I want to retire here, right? as most people do that live in San Diego. And, yes, normally there is sufficient equity left over. So when the home is sold, when parents pass, that goes, that equity goes to their kids kids, and that's uh, it, it, it's amazing, and it's kind of the best of both worlds. How can people get a hold of you? My name is Michelle Cole, reverse mortgage specialist for the Golden Equity Mortgage. Call or text me, eight five eight three four four five nine nine eight. 344 5998
3: Again, 858-344-5998. Thanks for being here, Michelle. I appreciate it.
6: Thanks so much, Andrea. Be okay. Amazing.
3: You know, I'm so glad I had her on because I know a lot of people, friends and family of mine out there listening, this is a great option for you. I don't want to be a nagger. I don't want to be pushing too much, but you know, and and hopefully that that uh, the friends of mine out there on Facebook that wanted this information got a lot out of it. You know, I think it's it's a great option for people, uh, especially here in San Diego, because real estate is at an all time high in San Diego. This is a great opportunity for you to tap into that equity. One of the things that I forgot to ask Michelle about, but I know because I talked to her about this on American Dream, you can use the money for anything that you want. You can pull the money out, and you can you can invest in another property. You can you know take a vacation. Pay off your credit card debts, fund your grandkids or your kids, um, you know, college educations. And so there's no restrictions on it. And so um, I just think it's an amazing way for people to stay in San Diego. Super excited about that. Got to get into a couple other little topics. Okay, um, this may sound I, I get so excited whenever I get a jury duty summons in the mail. I was so excited because the last few times I've gotten one, it is my dream to be a jury foreman. And the last few times I've gotten a summons, I wasn't able to serve. Well, the first time they didn't pick me and I was like devastated. I was heartbroken. So then the second time I went, they just dismissed me. I didn't even even start the process. And then the last time I got the summons, um, I couldn't appear. I had a scheduling conflict. So now I'm going to keep you all posted because I'm going to go down there and I'm going to tell them... I'm here and I'm ready to serve on a jury and oh by the way I think I would make an excellent foreman. And my husband was joking he was like, "Oh my gosh, you're going the jury's going to be like, how can we convict her of t- <laughs> of talking too much? Have you ever served on a jury?
2: The first question I would ask you, Andrew, if I was the lawyer picking them out, I would say, "How many hours of lifetime movies do you watch a day?" <laughs>
3: Uh, uh, I kind of binge watch my Lifetime Movie Network movies. I can't help it. And yes, I, I yes, I can tell you every every sentence and every line from A Woman Scorned and Her Final Fury.
2: Now, if I was defending a man, that you'd be out of the jury pool. <laughs> Bye.
3: <laughs> but don't you think? I mean, seriously, if we had better, so many people don't serve on a jury because it doesn't pay any money. They got to come out of their job. It's it's a losing proposition for them. So we don't really get good jurors. And, you know, they we're actually having they're having a really hard time having people serve as jurors. They're actually talking a little bit about having professional
2: jurors, which <gasps> is kind of scary.
3: Well, if it paid a certain amount of money, that's something I might be interested in doing, because I do love true crime stories. I got obs- I kind of obsessed with it back when I was a kid, and I read this book that was about Jeffrey McDonald, who was um, at Camp Lejeune, I believe it was, and he murdered his pregnant wife and his two daughters. And it took many years, and it took the dad of the pregnant wife to finally bring Jeffrey McDonald to justice, and I was amazed by the story. It became a movie that starred Gary Cole, and And Carl Malden was in it. And I mean, that just got me hooked. And then it was about then Diane Downs and the whole small sacrifices. And so I, you know, I became hooked on. I actually thought about being a prosecutor at one point. I I was actually my plan. I was a political science major because my plan was actually to go to law school and be a prosecutor. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I shouldn't tell him that
0: once you prosecuted me. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, you know what? I believe in our justice system. It's not perfect, or O.J. wouldn't have been walking around for as many years as he did, and he wouldn't be up for parole right now after the crap he said at the parole hearing. But we still do have the best justice system in the world, and I think in part it depends on people willing to go and fulfill their civic duty as a jury. They don't always get it right like they didn't with Casey Anthony, but they did here in San Diego with David Westerfield. And the jury foreman came out, and they were asked questions about, well, there was no DNA of him in the house, and there was no way. To prove that he and he said you know what we don't have to have every dot connected to reach the conclusion that this man stole this girl and had because he had there was dna of the girl in in his rv without relitigating that case so i will keep you all posted as to whether or not i actually make it on the jury let me know if you think that you would want to be you know what i would love to hear everybody's jury experiences on facebook so post that how much time do I have before I go to my next break? Okay. Oh, shoot. One minute. All right. In the one minute, because I wanted to get in this other topic going on with Ly- Lyft and Uber, I might have a little time later in the show. I got to tell you guys, if you don't already know about the new TV show that I'm doing, it's called West Coast Weekly with Andrea K. It gets, you know, I love so much more than than politics. Like, I love real estate. You know, I love true crime stories. I love anything related to the entertainment industry. And I don't necessarily get a chance to delve into all those topics here on the Andrea K. show. So, I, I was asked to host a new show that delves into all these other topics from charity and philanthropy to the entertainment industry, and it's called West Coast Weekly with Andrea Kay. It launches on the blaze on August 8th. We've already recorded a couple of shows. We're recording one more this Thursday. Super excited. One of our guests this week that we're recording this up is Sabo, the famous artist, conservative artist, who actually was thrown out of Politicon Sunday night, by the way. They pitted him against, I think, three or four other liberal artists. And they actually ended up throwing him out. He got kicked out. Yeah. So he's going to be on this week. So it would just mean so much to me if you guys would follow us on Twitter. The handle there is at W Coast Weekly TV. Uh, Like our fan page. If you like and share it, then you're automatically entered to be when to be our Facebook friend of the week. You get featured on the show and then you even get a gift card for coffee bean and tea leaf. And that even includes you, DJ Carrot Sticks. You're not immune from that. All right. So anyway, we're going to take a break. We come back. Did you guys know that there was an investigation of the 17 SEALs and others, a total of 30 Americans that were killed in under sketchy circumstances in a helicopter in Afghanistan? This is worse than Benghazi. And we're going to talk to the author of the book Extortion 17, Don Brown, when we come back. More Andrea K. Show coming right back up.
4: home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home.
5: You're listening to the Andrea K show
1: on AM 1170 The Answer.
3: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Before the break, I was talking, first of all, I was telling y'all about my new TV show, West Coast Weekly with Andrea K. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share our fan page. And I was also telling y'all that I got my jury summons. I'm excited. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to be dressed appropriately. And I'm going to, like, hide the fact. Thank you for this tip, DJ Carrotsky. I'm going to hide the fact that I'm obsessed with Lifetime Movie Network movies. And, and TV shows like Snapped, where, where, you know, a woman takes matters into her own hands. And hopefully I'm going to report back that I got picked to be on a jury. Um, taking you back to 2012, y'all know that, that I have been speaking of obsessions uh, Benghazi was a story that literally m- made my head about to explode and makes and still makes my teeth hurt every time I think about it. But there was another story that involved the loss of American lives and heroes that hasn't gotten the attention that it should have gotten. Thirty brave Americans were killed in a helicopter crash that was as preventable as the terrorist attack in Benghazi. It happened uh, years ago, uh, an investigation, supposed investigation was long, just like there was supposed to be an investigation to getting to the bottom of the truth of Benghazi. 30 Americans, this, may, this story of what happened to 17 SEALs and others in Afghanistan has not gotten the media coverage it should. The investigation finally wrapped in April with nobody being held to account and a lot of answers uh, still being kept, uh, a lot of questions going unanswered. Joining me now is the author of former Navy JAG officer author of quite a few books. Uh, Don Brown is here. Uh, He wrote a book about this story called Call Sign Extortion 17. Hey Don, welcome to the Andrea K. Show.
7: Andrea, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, keeping this story alive. It's very important. The the tragedy should not have happened. We lost 30 brave Americans, including 17 Navy SEALs, 15 from SEAL Team 6, the same unit that had taken out Osama bin Laden just Basically, 90 days before this chopper was sacrificed. So, thank you so much for helping to keep the story alive.
3: Well, thank you for writing the book about it. Um, you know, I, I tell you who else has been keeping this story alive, and I don't know if you know John Clayman. He was one of the original people who started Judicial Watch. Uh, he then started something called Freedom Watch, and he he asserts that Jason Chaffetz is uh, stepped down really because uh, he did a sham of a cover up of the investigation of this, and ba- uh, sham of an investigation, based basically has contributed to a cover-up of what really happened. Can you tell, um, he lists, John Clayman lists in an article that he wrote two weeks ago, four key points that were sketchy involving the circumstances. What do you document in your your book that you want Americans to know? Um, For example, the seven Afghanis that ended up on board.
7: Well, there are a number of anomalies that occurred uh, with this mission. Uh, in the situation where we have a these Navy SEALs who are thrown on this chopper, at 2.22 a.m., they lift off for what should have been a 10-minute flight, tw- wheels up the wheels down, flying, and they basically flying into, uh, ostensibly for the purpose of looking for a, a, an Afghan a, a Taliban leader. Um, they're moving toward this landing zone, and we have an hc 130 circling overhead, seeing Taliban moving into the landing zone. That AC-130 we repeatedly requested permission to fire on the Taliban. That permission was denied. Oh, and then, huh. after permission was denied on multiple occasions, they said we'll turn the AC-130. said we'll turn the seals back. Permission denied. So, the SEAL team was flown into a trap, and wow. and uh, our military command knew about it because we had we had an aircraft in the sky seeing it happen. We had two Apache helicopters flying along with these SEALs. They were in a CH-40 Chinook, and uh, and basically the whole thing was covered up. I do know John, and uh, John is right about one thing. There is a huge cover up here. The issue is how high does it go? But my book documents what is clearly documentable, because you know there was testimony that was taken, and I was given a copy of a 1,250-page report, which had been mysteriously declassified had a lot of legal legalese in it because but because i was a jag officer and had had done a major military investigation when i was a jag officer i could read it and uh, was able to help the family decipher why that investigation was there was testimony from the skipper of that gunship saying yeah we saw we saw squirters they call them moving to the landing zone we request permission to take them out we're denied
3: and, and so that excuse me that for that interrupting that's johnny marquez yeah.
7: Uh, well, Joni Marquez is not the skipper to gunship. Joni, though, was the, was the firing officer. Joni did not testify in the investigation. Uh, when we wrote, after we wrote the book, Joni came forward. Joni was was a firing officer. In other words, she was in charge of weapons of the AT-130. There were two crew members who testified anonymously, but testified on oath that this had happened even before Joni came through. You know, Joni, I love Joni. She is the only person who will put her name to this, and has step forward and taking a lot of heat. But when my book came out, documented what I just told you, Joni um, contacted Devons and and contacted me and Billy Karen Blanc lost her son Aaron on board at uh, 17. We were talking to her for a couple of years. She was going through such PTSD because of witnessing these guys basically being sacrificed when we could have stopped it. It took her that long to be able to even come forward. But she is she is a witness that wasn't even available. She wasn't ready to come forward. In fact, we didn't even know about her when my book came out but she has now stepped forward and said, yes, you're right. And interestingly, when my book came out a lot of people crossed the oh conspiracy theory blah, 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 blah. But now look, Johnny Marquez, in the face Captain Johnny Marquez United States Air Force and tell me it's conspiracy theory she saw it happen right so, excuse me um, for
3: interrupting I want to make sure everybody knows here. we're talking to Don Brown author of Extortion 17 and uh, Johnny Marquez was in a um, I can't r- remember what the term is for when they've got H- yeah but H- they're, they're considered right they're considered the eyes in the sky because when when you have a helicopter like this go into uh, go into an area like that they're supposed to have somebody looking out for them the official report that came Back from the government, was that there was no other aircraft in the area with eyes in the sky, right?
7: Well, there was nothing mentioned at all about the AC 130 independent yeah. Force. How convenient. It was basically, a big there was a big cover-up. But then we saw, because someone in in the SEAL team wanted this declassified. Mm-hmm. I don't know who, but somebody got it declassified and then passed the investigation out. If you read the official report, it just uh, happened to break in, the, in the fog of war. It was a brave American. Nothing can be done about it. That's a wash, the cover-up. But when you go back and then you read the sworn testimony, we saw the, the skipper, the captain, the gunship, and the navigator both corroborate that right. there were, Sure. Taliban moving lanes before Joni came out, of course, we don't know the names of the skipper or the um, or the navigator because those names are not provided to us in report. They're done for the protection of the officer, so I don't blame them. But uh, we know this to be a fact. We
3: also uh, know that,
7: that all covered up. Right. We also
3: yeah. know that they claimed initially that the black box couldn't be found because there was a flood, and John Clayman said made a joke uh, that, that that would have been the first flood that had happened in the Middle East since Noah's time. Then they came out and said after sending Army Rangers to go and look for the black box. They came out and said that there was never a black box, right?
7: That is correct. uh, uh a matter of fact, the uh, U.S. Army Pathfinder team was, was flown in moments after the shoot-down. And this, there's also sworn testimony this as well. With the instructions, go find the black box. Uh, I'm going to for three days for the black box. And the Pathfinder leader testified an oath that we looked for three days. It's the first time we've never been able to find it. Now one thing I've discovered, I don't know if Larry is aware of this or not, one thing I've discovered in my investigation is that we know that an unidentified unit moved in to the crash site within minutes of the shoot-down, and then moved out. We don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. That, of course, is left out of the final report also. They moved in, surveyed the aircraft, and moved it, moved out. Enclosure H of the Colt report. The what? Colt report, meaning Brigadier General Jeffrey Colt investigated this. So I think somebody tampered the black box, but the military first said we couldn't find it. And then they told family members, you know, we looked for it, but it was washed away in a flood, which is ridiculous, because even if there yeah. were a flood, even if there were, these black box have low... Uh, frequency transmitters that you'd be able to find. And we found them the bottom of the ocean before. So that's ridiculous. We also know that,
3: well, excuse me for interrupting, because we've only got a few more minutes left here. There was also, at at the last minute, seven Afghanistans were switched. There was supposed to be, and we never received their names. Then supposedly their bodies were brought back. So, I mean, we've got our, our highest Uh, 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 people our highest trained heroes have strangers brought on board at the last minute without being properly vetted those same seven afghanistan's their bodies were brought back here and cremated why would the u.s government bring seven afghanistan people back to the u.s to cremate them and on top of it the americans were cremated before the the family members were even given an opportunity to approve of that correct
7: well, you, we, we really don't know what happened to all the bodies. We know there were reports of cremation, but you know, Jason Chapin, for example, the aforementioned J.P. Chapin said in the, in the summer of two thousand. Um, uh, 13, he said the body I saw did not need to be cremated. But then right. when his committee investigated this in February 2014, not a word was mentioned about the status of the bodies. Now, I can tell you what cremation does. Cremation destroys DNA evidence. That's right. So therefore, if, if the chopper were infiltrated, there were seven unidentified afghans that was a major breach of military aviation protocol who jumped on the plane. Billy Vaughn discovered that with the help of a sergeant major Delta Force guy who Told him about it, or else that was all. Of course, all that was kept out of the final, court, uh, you know, report as well. So the military, the the government would not say what they did with the bodies. But wow. some of the families were told their sons were cremated. We are sure we know that Afghans were Afghan bodies were brought back to the United States. Why? Yeah. Why will we bring an Afghan body back to the United States? They're not ours and we believe that some of them are buried in a Cemetery. At least their ashes are if they were in fact cremated. So that's why we need a congressional investigation. Right. I would encourage your, your your members, your excuse me, your listeners. listeners, to please call and and call the House Armed Service Committee. I know Congressman Walter Jones is is helping out now and also Congressman Duncan Hunter is giving his support from there in San Diego right. to help re reinitiate an investigation from the Armed Service Committee. But these guys could use Use some encouragement because they're fighting against a big time cover up. Yes, it's, it's, I
3: don't know how, how high it leads. Yeah, well, yeah, and um, the, we haven't even had a chance to, and don't have time to even get into the fact that uh, K- Hamid Karzai was involved and and all of that, and and as well as the rules of engagement. So the so the okay. eyes in the sky were not allowed to prevent this and, and do you know and you know cause the cockroaches to scurry with some fire to protect the Chinook when it. But then they weren't allowed. Our heroes uh, weren't allowed to shoot. The rules of engagement were that they couldn't shoot at the Taliban until they were shot at first, which is absolutely ridiculous. Right. I would, I would like to think that President Trump and his command has already changed those rules of engagement. In the minute we got left, I want to make sure everybody knows that you're actually out here on the West Coast because you've got a new book out called The Last Fighter Pilot, which has to do with the last combat mission of World War II over Japan uh, from Iwo Jima. And you are here. Are you here with Mr. Yellen himself? I'm here with Kathy
7: Young. We're appearing tonight at the Reagan Library. Uh, the Reagan Presidential Foundation has endorsed the book. We will be at the Richard Nixon Library Thursday night. Uh, so the Reagan Library August 1st, so Richard Nixon Library August 3rd. And we, I really appreciate, this is a very important story that has been untold up until now. So I appreciate the Reagan Foundation, uh, giving us the support. Uh, very, very grateful for that.
3: Well, I encourage everybody to read. I can't wait to read that book. Um, you know, I, I've I've I think I've seen every war movie ever made, and I think I I thought I had read most of the great stories uh, coming out of World War II, and so I can't wait to read that book. Thank you so much uh, for being here. At DonBrownBooks.com dot com for information on all of his books. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you, Andrea. Keep keep up the good work. Talk to right. you soon. Thank you. All right, we got enough time left to shift gears and get into our awards. This is our award ceremony, part of the Andrea Kay Show. This is where we talk about the hero of the week and the stink of the week. Um, My hero of the week, speaking of, of, well, no, I'm not going to say that. I started to give a little tip as to who it is. My hero of the week, he's an old school dude who spent most of his life with his hair in the shape of a lid. Know who I'm talking about? DJ? No, he's shaking. No. Uh, he, dedica- he has dedicated his life to country and core. Still know who I'm talking about? You don't know yet? I thought that was an easy one. He gave up the front lines uh, to secure the perimeter of our, of our nation to secure a nation's perimeter. No, he's still looking confused over there. This is going to give it away. Now this man has assumed the job of securing the perimeter around the Oval Office and President Trump. I've got to be talking about none other than the man Kelly himself, a war hero, a, a, a hero. I don't know how much time he spent actually in combat. Um, but, you know, what? I get that tingly feeling all over any time I see a man, you know, who who has said "simplify" and hoorah a lot in his life because I'm the daughter of two Marines. So anyway, I'm loving that uh, he's my hero of the week. And, you know, a friend of mine who s- spent a lot of years in government and in the military, Russ Davis, said, oh, he's got this is this can't be good. He's been forced to do this. No military guy is going to be content to work on staff. And, you know, this you know, he's going to be miserable. And I'm saying no way the it, head of Department of Homeland Security is kind of a staff position. This is this is higher than that. You know, these once once the, the brass gets to this position, I can't think of anybody better, actually. Of course you've got the libtards trying to connect this to oh this means means it's the same thing that's what was going on with Watergate come on please any remotely uh the same situation my stink of the week here's some other clues he's a little man both literally and figuratively He's self serving and self centered and has been uh, his entire military service, was during his military service career and after. I think you know who I'm talking about. He has used both his military service and his recent illness as cover uh, for um, the mean spirited, vindictive, fraudulent behavior as a, quote, representative, when he's only been representing himself and his equally phony brothers in combat. Only these brothers in combat are those in D.C. fighting against us, the people. I think you know who I'm talking about. This is a man who rode into D.C., first class, by the way, probably on the private jet paid for by his wife that he called the C-word publicly, rode in pretending to care about his local constituent and those of the nation. Only to turn right around and vote against those very people. And why? After seven years, this man has been in office for decades. After seven years of promising repeal, he turned right around and stabbed these, uh, the voters in the back saying that the health care plan wasn't liberal enough. John McCain is a coward. He doesn't even have the courage to actually switch. He doesn't have the, have as much courage as our Specter, who switched and became a Democrat. So I think we know my stink of the week is John McCain. Now, my runner-up is Scaramucci, because Scaramucci, we thought that he was somebody who looked like he could run a family, but he proved to us that he's more sunny than he is Michael. So then Trump and Kelly had no choice but to Fredo him out the door and escort him to the door. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Thank you to all my amazing guests, John Cardillo, Michelle Cole, and Don Brown. And thank you all for joining me here. Thanks to everybody watching on Facebook Live. And thanks to you, DJ Carrotsticks. Sticks. Hey, I'm right back here every Tuesday. And also, don't forget, I'm on West Coast Weekly with Andrea Kaye on The Blaze starting August 8th. Mwah! Love you all.